Hey, what's up, brother? Hey, man. I just saw your text message. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I'm taking a little lunch break. Oh, okay. I figured I'd, uh, I'd give you a ring. Nice. Um, so first of all, I'm recording this. Is that okay? Yes, yes, that's fine. Sorry, I'm also buying something at the... You can record the part where I buy my groceries for lunch. <laughs> Perfect. This is going to be an audio uh, blog? I don't know yet. When I was 10, two things happened that changed me forever. First, in the 10th inning of Game 6 of the World Series, with two outs and a man on third, Mookie Wilson hit a weak ground ball towards Red Sox first baseman Bill Buckner. It should have been the end of the Mets World Series, but then this happened. Mookie Wilson's routine ground ball, the kind of hit that is as close to a guaranteed out as you can get in baseball. It slips between Bill Buckner's legs, and I can't stress this enough. I was 10 years old playing Little League, getting yelled at on a weekly basis for exactly this kind of screw-up. And here was a professional, a guy who had been in the league for almost 20 years, making the same kind of mistakes that I'd made. The error doomed Buckner to a life of infamy, and it also saved the Mets' season. They'd go on to win Game 7 and become champions, and I was hooked, not on the Mets themselves, but on the unpredictability and essential humanness of sports. A while later, my grandfather gave me a set of old-timey radio shows. Fibber McGee and Molly, The Bickersons, Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. And I love them. I, I listen to them obsessively. In fact... For a long time, sports and radio were kind of the only things that I really cared about. What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Oh, he's on third. We're not talking about him. But what's funny is that classic bit of radio, it's not even what I think of when I think of sports and old-time radio. It's a totally different program. A show called Grand Central Station. It had this amazing tagline. Grand Central Station. Crossroads of a million private lives. Crossroads of a million private lives. Back then, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents out in Queens, New York. My mom was finishing up a degree in nursing, and my dad was working like crazy as a teacher in Manhattan. They dropped me off in Bayside, and we'd have a weekend together, me and my grandparents. And then on Sunday, my grandpa Bernie would drive me home. And whenever we'd pass Shea Stadium, home of the New York Metropolitans, He'd say in this kind of booming voice, Shea Stadium, crossroads of a thousand private lives. Every single time. It wasn't a great joke, and actually, I don't even know if it was a joke. And I actually don't even know if I ever heard the original from the show, Grand Central Station, but I, I just know it from my grandfather. But either way, over the years, that tagline, Shea Stadium, crossroads of a thousand private lives, it started to mean something to me. You see, sports is more than the athletes on the field or the coaches on the sidelines. It's more than the judges, refs, umps, and linesmen. It's more than the color men, the play-by-play guys, the mascots, the marching bands, or even the results. It's the way identities are formed. Lives are altered. Myths are created. And stories are told. Shea Stadium. Crossroads of a thousand private lives. Someone ought to tell those stories, right? But, like, definitely not me. I mean, like, let's do the math. I've listened to probably 10,000 hours of radio in my life. I've produced exactly zero seconds of it. 
I don't even like sports radio. I mean, there's nothing that bums me out faster than listening to a caller go on and on about how so-and-so should have done such and such, and you just have to catch that kind of ball if you're going to be paid $30 million and blah, blah, blah. But also, like, I've never even really been that good at sports. Here's what my dad has to say. I do remember a time you hit a rope and were thrown out at second because you were really <laughs> slow afoot. But it was a good hit. But you were you were out like that uh, chubby uh, cup player. <laughs> nice. I've also never really even had particularly strong opinions about sports. Do, do you know that I, I umped one, one game for t-ball? No. I umped one game for t-ball. I called the ball foul. One of the dads started yelling at me, and I changed the call. <laughs> and then the other dad started yelling at me. And that was that. <laughs> but here's the thing. I've wanted to do this for a while, and every time I try to convince myself that I shouldn't, I keep coming back to this single moment in time when I was 12 years old. When I was playing Little League, you gave me a piece of advice. Do you remember what that piece of advice was? Not at all. Um... You told me, well, what's your, you have a cardinal rule about, about batting in baseball. What's the cardinal rule? Don't take a called third strike. So explain that. If you don't swing the bat and if the strike is called on you, that's uh, one swing taken away from you. You want to maximize the number of swings you have every at bat. I remember actually the second year that I played in the league, I went down to Thomas Jefferson Middle School to the gym. And there was a tryout where all the coaches watched. It was like a draft. I remember that. Can you imagine? You're right. There was a draft of kids. Right. It was a perversion of the old choosing sides, except adults were in charge. Right. And it was a big deal because now in my second year in the league, I was chosen to be on Bergen Fence. I think I was playing like second base or something like that. But we made it all the way to the championship game against Carvel. I was up last, two outs. Bases loaded, and I got up at bat, and do you remember what I did? You took a third strike. Yeah, I didn't swing. And I think I may have been behind the backstop, and I think I may have flipped out a little bit. That that I don't remember. I remember being in the car. Uh, I remember being in the car on the way home, and you you telling me, you can't do that. You can't take a, a third strike. You're up there to swing the bat, hit the ball. If the bat doesn't leave your shoulder, then you have no chance of getting a hit. So that's it. I'm taking the bat off my shoulder. Maybe I strike out, maybe I get the hit and get thrown out at second, maybe the ball squirts through my legs and I look a fool in front of everyone. But here's what I'm definitely going to do. I'm going to talk to people about the nature of fandom, the way a fan's sense of place and tribal identity can lead to funny songs and odd friendships, but also how it can lead to the resurgence of fascism around the world. We'll learn how Michigan football relates to the TV show Friends, how Bernie Sanders and the 1986 Mets are the perfect underdogs. And I'm going to try to figure out how one day I woke up not caring about anything else in the world except for a soccer team from North London, a place I had never, ever been before. This, is, this sounds like a very fascinating series of, of pieces, and I'd like to, I, I, I think I feel like it's right right for you. It's exactly what the, you should be doing. I can't wait for it, actually. Do you want to subscribe to this podcast? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I do. Yeah, I want to be the first. <laughs> so that's first time, long time. It's stories about sports for people that may not like sports. Wait, that's, that's not a very good tagline. Um, it's first time, long time. It's not the play-by-play. It's the day-to-day. 
Oh, all right. It's a work in progress, but I hope you like it. The music you heard on this episode was Tech Toys by Lee Severe, Take Off and Shoot a Zero by Chris Zabriskie, Pineapple by Poddington Bear, kind of love that name, and Filing Away by Blue Dot Sessions. I found it all on freemusic.org, which is a pretty great resource. The voice on the phone call was my buddy Shlomo. Thanks for the vote of confidence, Shlomo. It's a ton. Finally, thanks so much to Transom.org for existing and answering all my little questions about how in the hell I'm supposed to do any of this. I don't know when the next episode will be out. Eventually, I'll figure out a schedule and everything like that. But in the meanwhile, subscribe in iTunes or whatever podcasting software you use, and, well, talk soon. <laughs>